mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A huge thanks uh, to Topper and to Phil and to Tom who covered for me when I was gone in, in Germany. Um, I know you want to hear all about the trip, so I've collected a hundred slides of every single church and stained glass window. Sorry, no, I won't do that to you. But we're going to jump back in the Gospel of John. And uh, we'll talk about the Reformation stuff as it comes up appropriately through text and things like that. But um, we're talking about the text that Tom just read for us today, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And to jump into this, I'm going to ask you this question. What's the nastiest job you've ever done? The nastiest thing. Have you ever changed one of those exploding diapers? You know the ones where you're cleaning stuff out of cracks and crevices you never knew your baby had, right? You're just going, whoa, right? Just, they're just every, up the back, it's just everywhere. Yeah. TMI, okay. Have you ever, how many of you work in the medical field? Yeah, you guys have great stories. Please share them when I'm not around. So, right? How many work with animals? Eckerts aren't here today. Yeah, they've got some good stories too. Yeah. The nastiest thing you've ever done. Think about it. Okay, here's the nastiest thing I've ever done. So I used to work for the water department when I was in college. And um, my job was replacing water meters. And in Southern California, the water meters aren't in basements because there are no basements. So they're out front in the ground. And there's a cement box that protects it, but the meter itself is in the dirt and the pipes going through it. They're all in the dirt. And so we're driving around, and we're replacing broken water meters. And we get to this one meter. It's me and my boss. And I open up the cement lid, and this horrible stench hits me. Because it's an old galvanized line. The pipe has been sweating with a small leak for years. And it's just that, that old mud smell. And I knew it was really bad because the cockroaches scrambled as soon as I opened the lid and the, lit, the light hit them. And apparently something had died years ago, in, had died in that box some, some time ago. I could tell because the, the mud was moving because of all the maggots were in there. And my boss says to me, this one's yours. <laughs> and I almost, I almost quit right on the spot. I almost said, That's, oh, no way, I'm done, I, I'm not doing this. And, uh, but we were pretty far away from the office where my car was parked. I'm like, he's going to make me walk eight miles back to the office if I quit right now. So I start getting the dirt out, and the meter's buried really deep. So I'm digging out this nasty mud. I'm getting lower and lower. Pretty soon, both my hands are in the, the hole with my head <coughs> resting on the cement box. I lift up, breathe, and go back in and breathe and had to change out. The, it was horrible. What's the nastiest thing you've ever done? In our text for today, Jesus is doing something nasty. It says this, so he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Jesus is assuming the position of the lowest servant or slave in a household. He takes off his outer garment for a number of reasons. One, um, that's what the humblest position inquired, entailed. It was just humble. And two, he didn't want to get his own clothes dirty. 
So Jesus is basically wearing an undergarment with a towel tied around his waist. It's pretty humbling, right? And he gets down to wash their feet. Now, the disciples didn't have Nikes or, or Pumas or Adidas, right? They had sandals. And they walked everywhere. And the paths weren't asphalt or cement. They were, they were dirt. And you recall Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem for the Passover. Well, what do you do at Passover? Well, you, you sacrifice a lamb and you, and you eat the lamb. And how many people came to Jerusalem for the Passover? Well, about 50,000 is what scholars guesstimate. And they walk there with their animals. And Jesus and his disciples have just come from Bethany, which is about seven miles away from Jerusalem. So they, they walk the seven miles from Bethany along the main road where everyone, about 50,000 people, with their animals, walked. What do animals do when they're walking on a path? Everyone going on a horseback ride? You know, you go with the Eckerts over at Four Eagle Ranch, get the horses, and they will poo half the trail while you're riding these horses. What Jesus is doing is absolutely nasty. It's disgusting. And Jesus washes their feet. The king of kings becomes the lowest slave. The lord of lords becomes the least of these. It's no wonder Peter objected. Imagine. Imagine if, if Bill Gates... Or someone like him came to church today. And we said, Bill, welcome to Gracious Savior. We're so glad that you're here. Can we get you a donut or a cup of coffee? Well, not the coffee. It's not ready yet. But maybe decaf for you. And Bill said, no, no, no. I'm just here to clean your bathrooms. And we'd say, no, no, Bill. You're not, you're not cleaning our bathrooms. I'll tell you what. Write us a small check. <laughs> we'll pay someone else to clean the bathroom for the next 50 years. And you won't even notice it out of your checking account. He says, no, no, no. I'm here to clean your bathrooms. As outrageous as that story sounds, what Jesus does is a thousand, a million times more dramatic and impactful and humiliating and serving. And what Jesus does is not an object lesson. He doesn't do it and then reverts back to the overlord, the overlord and says, okay, now you guys go skip my food for me and do all that. He continues the lesson, if you will, all the way from Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, to a hill called Calvary, and there he dies upon a cross in the most humbling and horrific way imaginable. So that he might serve you. So that his blood might cover over your sin and mine. So that he might be truly the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He might give you the ultimate service, the ultimate gift of humility, the ultimate gift of grace. Grace. 
And on that cross, by his blood, Jesus washes you and me and Peter and James and John for all who believe. And as part of this lesson, Jesus invites his disciples and you to serve others as he has served you. And so it got me to thinking, what is the messiest, nastiest, most horrible, most humbling way to serve other people? What type of service just plain stinks? Maybe diaper changing. You can go over Will and Kelly's house and just change diapers for a day, right? right. You would accept that service? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Done. Done. That, that, that's, that is service, right? That is service in the most giving, dirtiest type of way, right? What about cleaning bathrooms? That's service, right? Just cleaning bathrooms. That's just, uh, no, one, no one likes cleaning bathrooms. That's, that's service. But I think I found something even harder than those jobs. I think I found something even messier, nastier, stinkier than all of those other tasks combined. And here it is. You ready for it? I'm sorry. I blew it. I was angry about something that happened at home, and I took it out on you, out on you, my coworker, my friend. I was angry at something that happened at work, and so I took it out on you, my loved one. Repentance is dirty. It's stinky. It's nasty. We don't like it. You can tell we don't like it because when we do it so often, we put qualifiers on it, right? I'm sorry, but you really made me mad. I'm really sorry I took my, my I yelled at you and took, took out on you. But what you did was pretty horrible. I didn't know that. You kind of deserved it. That's what our apologies look like so often. I'm sorry, but... Because we want to make the process less stinky. We want to make it less nasty. Because when we repent, what we're saying is, I'm a sinner. Inside, I'm filthy. Inside, if you knew my thoughts, you'd never speak to me again. I'm a sinner. Here's the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we're so good at the half-truth. I did this, but I had a pretty good reason. And the truth is not in us. 
Praise God that the Apostle John continues. He says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's from 1 John chapter 1. Tim Keller, he put it this way. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. When we dismiss our sin, when we put excuses on our behavior and rationalize it away, we would cheapen the gospel. But when we confess our sin to God and those around us, you can fully realize the incredible love of Jesus Christ for you. And some of you don't know how much Jesus loves you. Because in your repentance, you said, yes, but. <laughs> or you've received, you acknowledge that Jesus does forgive everyone, but not quite you. Because of what you've done or what's been done to you. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. And you are more loved and accepted by Jesus than you ever dared hope. I remember when I was a kid, I'd play soccer. And uh, my dad was my soccer coach. And he was the worst soccer coach ever. Because he never played a single minute of soccer in his life. He coached because there was no other dad to coach, right? So my dad was our soccer coach. And he would, he would train us like football players. Because he played football. He knew how to do that. So we would be running in plays, and we'd do Lombardis, you know? And he'd go, he'd blow his whistle, we'd get down, we'd pop back up, you know? And we'd run in place, and he'd yell at us. Oh, no, we would do leg lifts. You know, you would lay on your back, you'd lift your legs up. And my dad would walk by, and he'd pound on our stomachs. I was eight years old. <laughs> and he'd say, are you the roughest, toughest, meanest, best-looking man to ever walk on a soccer field? We'd be like, yeah. And he'd say, let me hear you growl. He'd be like, Argh. And he'd go, go hit the tree. You know, we'd run around the tree. And then he'd throw a ball out. And he'd just have us kick it around, you know, because he didn't know what to do. And so we, we lost a lot of games. And after each game, he'd gather us around. And... And we, you know, I was eight years old, man. I lost, we lost. I'm horrible. I'm a failure. And my dad would say to us, You gave it your all. You walk off this field, you hold your head high. You walk off this field proud. My friends, as you walk out of church today, know that we have confessed our sin and God who is faithful and just has forgiven your sin and cleansed you from all unrighteousness 
when you walk out this church today, you walk out proud. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. You are more loved than you would ever dared hope. And people who walk out of church proud and secure in God's love and sacrifice and commitment to them or are people who walk out ready to extend that grace to those around them. Because Jesus Christ died and rose for you and he loves you and he loves this world that's dying without him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are filthy. You know our hearts. You know our thoughts. You know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord God, we are filthy. Because you are God and because you've invited us to do this, Lord, we blame your cross. We receive the gift of your blood washing over our sin. We claim Paul's words in, in 1 Corinthians that God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Lord Jesus, we receive these words. We receive this promise as true and certain and secure. Lord God, for anyone here who's holding on to the past. May we leave it at your cross. Underneath your blood, cleansed, forgiven, and free. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you might send us out into your world to be sharers of grace. We ask this in your name and for your glory and our joy. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may guard, may guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Stand. Praise our God here.